Greetings from Pandora. Welcome to A Vault Hunter's Guide to the Borderlands, the best Borderlands podcast on the Echo Net. I'm Drew. I'm Jeff. Thanks for joining us today for episode number 24, where today we're going to be talking about guns, love, and tentacles, the marriage of Wainwright and Hammerlock. But first, just a quick reminder that you can always get in contact with us via Twitter at Vault Hunters Pod or through our email at vaulthuntersguide at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can watch us record the podcast live at twitch.tv slash vaulthuntersguide. Nice. Uh, Also, just want to throw this out there because we are smack dead in the middle of this. Uh, Our date of recording this episode is March 30th. Also, uh, we do apologize for not getting an episode out to you uh, previously. But uh, it's just been crazy. Uh, we're all in the middle, at least in America. We're still right in the middle, in the midst of the uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic that's going on right now. So it is what it is. We apologize. We'll stay more consistent in the future. Anyway, that yeah, being let's said, let's just call it an unexpected mental health break that we y- took. Yes, there you go. So <clears throat> that being said, I appreciate everyone for sticking with us. And also keep yourself safe, social distance, wash your hands, don't touch your face. We all we all know the things at this point. If any of this is new information, then please, please. <laughs> actually, you're. You know what? Actually, if any of this is new information to you, then probably keep on doing what you're doing because you clearly have not been out in some time. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing good. Yeah, you're doing also, good. Also, uh, I'm hoping that somebody's still listening to this in like 2030. They're like, oh, this is going on during that crazy Corona scare that you know was a huge thing for like a month Mm -hmm. and then totally stopped forever anyways jeff how have your last two weeks in the borderlands been so good (laughs) so it's been freaking good it's been fantastic and i I've been playing so much Borderlands 3 again recently. It has been amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously that's, that's what this whole episode is about, but I'm excited to talk about everything involved in the new DLC. Um, and that's what I've been going hard on. Um, it's, it is easily, I mean, I know we only have two, but of the two, this is definitely the best of the two DLCs. Uh, however, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get into it. Don't, don't give me that look. You know, it is shut up. <laughs> you can't, you can't even make this without being like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I'm just saying you haven't said anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. We can, we can talk about that later. Hmm. 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 Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have been digging it. It's given me a lot of new things to look for and a lot of, um, you know, fun side quests and everything. I'm, yes, I know I'm being very vague. That's because we're going to go into more of these things in, in detail. Um, so I, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I, you know, that you and I played through it with uh, my wife, you playing with Flack, me playing with Zane, her playing with Amara, which is kind of the standard setup that we have going on for any new release stuff that goes on. Yep. As well as I've been doing a lot of solo playing uh, with my with my flack that I've been playing with as well. Yeah, so. I literally less than less than an hour ago completed my uh, playthrough with uh, Zane on there solo. Nice. So, but I still have other 
extra stuff to do, you know, right. quests and such. Okay. Although okay, I did so, get, I did so, get the, the nimble Nomicon just now also. Yes. Okay. So I finished so, my playthrough, did the nimble Nomicon quest and then was like, Oh, time to record. <laughs> all right. So, so you finished it. You did not complete it is what you're saying. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. For those of you, yes, I know that's, you know, I'm very aware of the difference between those things. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. And I don't care to make the distinction. Yeah. That's what you're, you're what's wrong with society. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. So what about you? In this How... time of a global pandemic and underpaid people being overworked, I am the problem. <laughs> I made my statement. <laughs> nice anyways how have your last two weeks in the borderlands been also excellent uh shortly before like when when i found out that there was the level cap increase to 57 um i didn't even i was like oh i could stop farming now you know because i had enough i had i had enough stuff at level 53 to where i was comfortable to where i could get through the dlc so Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Cool. Whereas you kind of did the opposite and like went hard and you're like, I need more stuff. And I'm like, fucking why? Mm-hmm. You're just going to get more new stuff. Yeah. But it made, it made it a lot easier on me. And I think that's part of the big reason why, because throughout the entire thing, I was consistently kind of like a half level above you guys. And I attribute it to me doing that extra farming on top of that. Hmm, maybe. So, so I have no proof otherwise, so, you know, there's that. But anyways, let's go ahead and get right into it. So, there's a lot of different things to talk about. Let's go ahead and start off with the story, and just the general premise of the DLC in general. Yeah, so going through this, for anyone that's listening, we've broken it down into uh, five different categories, which we call story loot, atmosphere, characters, and Easter eggs, or little extras, as we call them. Um, just yeah, call it's back just to a little bonus part that we were, uh, that's, we're not going to do so much of a deep dive on, but it's just cool things that we noticed. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for anything in particular, if you don't care about certain parts, you can kind of have a, have a decent idea of where to go through everything. So yeah, yeah let's get right into it. Um, um Spoilers. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers for, uh, spoilers for, uh, story and everything like that. So we're coming up on that. Yeah. They're actually, you know what? We're just going to put a blanket statement on this. There's going to be heavy spoilers all throughout this episode. Um, by the time it comes out, hopefully everyone's at least finished the story, but blanket statement, lots of spoilers. We're not going to hold back. That being said, three, two, one, go. All right. Maya's dead. On that note, good luck and good drops. No, just yeah. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, all right. So, so getting into it, kind of the story in X amount of words or less <laughs> is um, Hammerlock and Wainwright are getting married. They found a location through the help of Gage, who was a vault hunter in Borderlands 2. Um, she found an area that is very, uh, remote and secluded and everything like that, but it has a lot of eldritch horror themes to it. 
uh, a la HP Lovecraft. So lots of ancient beasts and things like that and messing with people's minds and all those kinds of things. Basically what it equates to is that there's this big, crazy eldritch horror thing, uh, which is essentially like a vault monster. Think of uh, lots of different vault monsters. This is a very similar thing, but like massive, like absolutely gigantic. Yeah, like it would be like the biggest of the vault monsters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah, giant vault monster. And essentially what happens is um, this couple that was researching it has been using its still living heart, even though the creature is dead, to sacrifice other people's lives and using their life force and kind of inhabiting their bodies so that they can continue to live and be in love forever, essentially, is the idea behind it. In this, um, Wainwright, his, he is snatched up in their hopes of trying to make that happen. And so everyone else is trying to stop him. Of course, at the end, you do. Everything's all good and everything like that. You, you know, defeat the baddies and... Um, if you're good. Yeah, if you're good. <laughs> you you defeat the baddies and then at the very end of it, uh, Hammerlock and Wainwright get married. And, and, that, and, that, and that's it. That's, that's in a very... I don't even know what the right area is to say here. I was going to say in a very thick nutshell, in a very thin nutshell. I don't know... <laughs> What is a very large nutshell. Think like coconut sized nutshell. <laughs> That's the story. No, no cuts, no butts, no coconuts. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the story. That is straight up the story. Um, I, this is the one part. This is like the only thing it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, again, it's not, it's not a home run with this. And it kind of bothers me, and we'll get into why exactly this story bothers me here after a little while. The, the antagonist, um, yeah, the antagonist, um, I mean, technically there's, there's kind of two antagonists, but mainly there's really one. There's, there's Eleanor, who is the main one. She's the wife of this couple. And then there's Vincent, who is the husband in, in this couple. And... You know, yeah, we the Olmsteads. Yeah, the Olmsteads. We really don't see much of Vincent just because he's trying to get through uh, through Wainwright and he's trying to communicate, but he's slowly taking over. Um, it seems pretty over. evident that what the deal is is that like Eleanor somehow is like still in her same body, but now with like mutations because she's you know using the power of the heart to sustain her life, whereas Vincent. He's his soul or whatever is just possessing new bodies through the power of the heart. Right. So, so, so they're both using the power of the heart just in slightly different ways. Right. Right. And you stumble across them during uh, what's called the renewal, which apparently which from context clues and other stuff you find out happens approximately once a year. And, um, <clears throat> it's just a really rough time for the village. Uh, for the village that they're at and the entire region as a whole, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Again, it's fine. Um, the really interesting thing, I'm way more interested in the stuff that happens around the story. I mean, would you agree with that? So, So like, this is one of those things where it's like, the side missions are better than the main campaign. 
Yeah, and not, e- not even long the, shot. Yeah, and not even the side missions. But as we're getting into, um, so you know, everyone knows the 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 big running joke about the whole about all of you know Borderlands since the first game, which is ha ha funny robot. Nobody likes him because he's because he's dumb and whatever. Drew, do you want to go in, and yeah? Drew, do you want to go into what exactly how exactly the claptrap plays into all this? Dude, claptrap is. <clears throat> not okay claptrap is uh i wouldn't say integral to the story because of what happens at the end but it is entertaining and interesting um so he is an uninvited guest to the to the wedding and so gage you know is like hey claptrap i need you to do me a solid buddy because she's just trying to get rid of him she's like i need you to uh Go find the um, uh, the, the pearl, pearl of yeah. uh, ineffable knowledge, and he's like, "Oh my God, my time has come!" You know, blah blah blah. So he takes off and like goes through all kinds of crazy stuff, and there's just huge holes and everything through the whole deal, and so you don't really get the full picture, but you just know that. While you're on this crazy adventure, Claptrap simultaneously is going through a crazy adventure, and in the end does bring you the Pearl of Ineffable Knowledge, which is a decent relic. It is actually a pretty decent relic. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it basically, the more times you hit an enemy, it increases your damage, and it has that on a relic, which is super nice. And it's not even by a small amount, it actually works out pretty good. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and it's not even a small adventure that he's on. Like, like Drew said, it's, it's pretty big too. It's, you know, he makes a deal with a demon at one point and, uh, he at one point has a duel of wits with a wizard, which he loses and it's all this crazy stuff. So it seems oh, my favorite part is when he ends up in this like alternate dimension or something he's like there's all kinds of shapes and colors that words don't begin to describe you know or or that have no names and mm-hmm. stuff like that and and later on you find him again and he and he he lets you know that he made it out because he still had paul and up to this point he had never mentioned paul before so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of story it is it's a fun relic though and and it's a it's a cool way to keep claptrap uh in the story. Yeah. Um so the big parts about about this um you know, it's just I I don't really care about the story at all involving Eleanor and Vincent. It's like they weren't even really good villains at all. It's like, oh yeah, they're stealing people's souls and everything. It's like Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh like I know that's a terrible <clears throat> thing and everything. But it just didn't seem very climactic. It didn't seem... I didn't really feel the weight of their villainy in this whole thing. I think that I know why, too. I think that it's because they're not very... I keep, we keep saying they. It's really Eleanor because, again, Vincent is kind of trapped in Wainwright's body and is, like, becoming attuned to it or whatever. Sure. But... So Eleanor's really the one running the show, but and I, I, I know this is an unfair comparison to make, but I'll make another one that'll be more fair, but like Handsome Jack, right, is always, <laughs> two, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> Handsome Jack is always two steps ahead of you, right? Mm-hmm. And 
and you're like, fuck, I just can't, we can't, can't beat this guy. You know, he always knows what's going on and he's going to, and he's, he's two steps ahead of us the whole time. And even to a lesser extent, so are the Calypso twins in the main story. Mm-hmm. You know, they are, they are using you to kill vault monsters so they can drain their power, you know? So again, they are at least one step ahead of you. Eleanor, not so much. Just kind of along for the ride. Like, yeah. what? Don't do that! You know, what are you doing now? Don't do that thing. Here are some bad guys. Yeah, there's... Yeah, Eleanor is so secure in the fact that she's all-powerful, and she's got the power of the heart, and everything's set up perfectly that no one could even remotely challenge her. And... And, and, that, and that's kind of it. There's no... It's like, I'm too powerful. There's nothing you can do. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to do this. Don't do that. Okay, well, I'm going to keep doing that. It's like, stop. It's like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But why? Yeah, it's just, it's very, it's just a very reactionary thing. It's not a proactive thing, which actually is not very surprising considering how the whole story kind of gets kicked off to begin with, which is you as the player and Wainwright like stumble upon this whole event that's going on. And you kill Vincent, and she's like, well... Or you kill, you know, Vincent's current vessel, current, you know, body. Yeah. Um, And then she's like, well, I'll just take that guy then, you know? So, Mm -hmm. to be fair, there couldn't have been much planning on her part, because the whole premise of the thing is kind of surprising to her. But... Right. Um... I don't know. It could have been it could have been a little bit more interesting. I agree. I agree. And it's one of those things where I'm already playing a game where I'm already playing a game where this uh wedding planner has a pet robot that she made when she was a teenager and that it's totally normal for people to go and anytime they have a dispute with someone is just shoot them in the face with a gun that launches fire and then ricochets off and does ice. And stuff like that. You sure. don't. My suspension of disbelief is already there, so you might as well just go all out and make a a, a more interesting story based around that. I guess. Like it would have been. I mean, there's lots of different. Uh, there's the bonded, and then there's some of the townsfolk, and there's the different creatures. And uh, as far as enemies go, this is what I'm saying. There's the bonded. Uh, there's some of the townsfolk, and there's the different tribes, and then there's the creatures in the wild. You could have just as easily been like, haha, to, to stop you, I'll split the heart into four pieces. And then it would have been one of each of those four enemy types that you then would have had to like fight a champion at each one to get a piece of the heart or something. Yeah, or if like this was like a special um, renewal or something and she planned on like taking over the planet or something and right. had this whole plan that she was going to enact using whatever the vincent's current vessel was but then you kill it so she's like well i'm i gotta i've got this whole plan that's set in order i'm gonna i'll just use wainwright's body instead right yeah again maybe we're going overboard on that but um you know it is what it is uh that being said it did have its moments uh one of the big key moments in there is that uh we have gauge which means that she has she has death trap and there's a part in there where to be able to break through a shield that's surrounding the heart that Eleanor has set up or the heart has set up. Um, you have to punch through it somehow. And so 
we get it's it's a smaller piece of the heart right like it's a shard of the heart isn't it yes yep it's a piece of the heart yeah and we just jam that right into into death traps eye in order to make it so that he can pierce that and then there's this boss fight and everything and she actually eleanor actually ends up uh killing death trap as much as you can kill a non what i believe is a non-sentient robot so and the kudos to the voice actors first of all because all of them did a fantastic job we'll get to that again in a little bit as well but Mm -hmm. um you could really feel the weight and the conveyance of how upset gage was about that situation and you really felt it like i was legit actually sad about that situation it wasn't like it wasn't like oh snap she killed death trap it's like no this is this is this is a real big bummer. Like I really felt it. So, yeah, it was it was interesting during that part. You you and Beth and I were all sitting there, like, like just in like stunned, sad silence during yeah. that part. Yeah, <clears throat> and I I'm sure that um I'm sure that it was partially a big deal because we've done a lot of Borderlands too, where uh, Beth has played Gage right after. Right after Maya, Gage is her second favorite character, so she spent a lot of spent a lot of time with Death Trap. So mm-hmm. I think that hit her pretty hard as well. Sure. Um, again, because we've already done blanket spoilers on here, Death Trap does get revived, so that's good, and ends up becoming Death Trap 2.0. And all of us were really excited about that. You know, as soon as he was resurrected, it was like, "Yeah, buddy," you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. kind of thing. So. So yeah, that that was that was well done. I you you could say it's a meaningless death. It didn't feel like it though. It still didn't feel like it. So yeah, I mean, still had was, some weight to it. And Jeff and I compared that part of the. Um, oh wait, no, we were comparing something else. Never mind. We'll get back to we'll get to to that later. Right. Uh, anyways, um, <clears throat> so after you revive Death Trap, you take uh, Death Trap to the venue with Gage. You're fighting through some enemies and stuff. You get to the venue, you blast open this barrier, which is par- powered by the monster's heart. Uh, Githius? Githian. Githian? Githian. Githian is the yeah. monster. And um, Death Trap blasts through the thing. You end up going, you know, like the final assault kind of thing. And then you then you go and slide down. A, I mean, you're like inside the monster, which is fun because it's all squishy and gross inside and everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then you go and you do a, an interesting boss fight because it's kind of split. It's almost like a like a pair boss fight because you fight Eleanor and then you're also fighting the heart. Uh, so you fight Eleanor and then the heart and then either or whichever you prefer. Um, interesting boss fight. Not crazy difficult. Um, nope. Just either either shoot Eleanor like you would <clears throat> shoot any other humanoid type thing or you shoot the crystals that are on the heart the only thing that was a little bit of a challenge that took us just a hot second to figure out was uh there are big tentacles that come out because of course in an eldritch horror boss fight you got to have some kind of tentacles mm-hmm. and uh they're kind of slamming up and down and everything and just before they go to do a big rotation thing that does a ton of damage uh it sprouts some crystals and you got to shoot those crystals in order to make that stop so that was kind of in that one that took just like a hot second, but even then it wasn't too bad. Yeah. So. Um, pretty decent boss fight. 
Uh, you get a good, unique reward afterwards. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. You have a chance for a decent legendary. There's a couple chests afterwards. Um, overall, oh, and, yeah, and you and and again, they're doing a really good job with this. There's a spawn point just before the boss fight, like literally, like yes. just before it. You know, you you spawn in. Um, if you, if you were to save quit, you spawn in. You take a couple of steps. You slide down. You're there. It takes five seconds. Literally five well, seconds. But it is it is similar to like uh, the guts of Carnivora because you need to like when you because there's only one travel station there, so Correct. you have to travel yes. in to the beginning of the level, run through the whole thing, and but then you can you know farm the heart multiple times because because the spawn point is right there. So correct. Yep. So <clears throat> absolutely. That being said, we kind of talked about it a little bit already. Let's get into some of the loot here. Uh, there's a fair amount of new loot, and we're not going to go over everything in particular, but um, we're going to go ahead and pick out some of our favorites. Um, first of all, this seems to be a trend. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this right away. There's new class mods. Um, mm-hmm. It seems to be a trend that there's new class mods uh, with every DLC that comes out. I hope they continue that, and we just get a whole host of new things, and who knows what's going to come up with that. Um not right now, but at another point, we'll go ahead and talk about the class mods. They're they're pretty decent. Um, the one for Flak is pretty good. I think all around this time, none of them are like, f- you know, phenomenal, but they're all just pretty solid is my takeaway. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there is the, what is there? There's the trainer, the Zane's is like the shocker or, oh, the conductor. Yeah. Um, which is like all based around a, uh, a shock damage build. Then uh, Moses is the sapper, uh, which is like a lifesteal kind of thing, which is kind of interesting, making her a little bit more tanky. And then the last one is the stone, which uh, works with uh, Amara's rush stacks. Oh, and yeah. if I didn't say Flax is the... Uh, oh, yeah, Flax is the trainer. The has, trainer, yep. Yeah, has to do with uh, dominating enemies. and um, I would say... I would say that... Um, the class mods from DLC 2 are better. Um, that's just my initial impression. We are only four days into this, so, I mean, there's still plenty of time for playing with these things and, you know, getting them sorted out, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, um, so, yeah, we've got new class mods. Um, let's see, Drew, what else do we got? Uh, we have the Love Drill, which I really enjoy using. It is Same. a... It is a Jacob's uh, pistol, does a stupid high critical hit damage, and has the ability to return um, ammo back to the back to the magazine, just like the wedding invitation. So that's real. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I also um, really enjoy. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, uh, big point about that. There's there's two versions of the love drill. There's a legendary and a and a unique. The unique is a purple rarity. That one you just mm-hmm. get from completing the DLC. And the legendary one you have to farm the final boss. You have to farm Eleanor and the Heart for. Um they're both pretty comparable. The legendary is just slightly better. And it has a chance to The legendary for gives more. you it also the legendary is the only one that you get uh there's a 20% chance of doing shock damage with the legendary yeah. one. And that's not available on the standard issue. one. Right. Right. <clears throat> so, um, there is also one of my new favorite guns, at least for what I've been doing. 
which is the anarchy. Uh, anyone that's played uh, BL2 is familiar with, uh, and that is familiar with Gage, knows how anarchy stacks work. Um, makes gives you more damage, but you're less accurate. You, you pair that with close enough, which 50% of the time when you shoot a wall or the ground, it goes to the nearest enemy. That's that's the gauge build. That is the gauge build. Yeah. Um, that being said, that's how the gun works. Uh, as long as you don't manually reload and if you get uh, quick kills in succession and as long as you don't switch away from it or anything like that, this thing does a ton of damage. Um, you're not even looking for the most damage you can get out of it that, uh, as far as the base damage. Honestly, just, um, you know what, we're, we're going to get into it. We're, we'll get, I'm getting way too far into the weeds on this, but anyway, um, it works really well. It can do a stupid amount of damage and it's fun. So, uh, yeah, I hate it for one reason. And uh -huh. I want you to guess what it is. Is it because it's called the anarchy? No, no, no. I have a legitimate like, gripe with it as far as gameplay. Oh, um, is it the recoil? No. It's the fact that I down myself with it all the fucking time. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Understandable. All the time. Like, I've gotten to the point to, to where the one that I've been using, and I, I, I don't remember if it's all standardized or anything, but, like, it's two magazines per shot. It's an eight-round magazine. So I'll be like, one, two, three... Four, you know, and like I plan out that last <laughs> shot so yeah. that way I'm like, you know, I'll like shoot and then like point up. So, so I'm like yeeting that thing into next week, you know? <laughs> so awesome. Like that's how I have to do it now. So that's that can be frustrating. Speaking of which, we didn't have this on the list, but uh, as well as that, because Drew just brought up, there is another gun in here that you get from hunting a Yeti called the Little Yeti. Uh, it's yeah. really good. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not sure if the damage is standardized, but the one that I got is about 3,200 times three, yeah, which is sick. Yeah. It's really, really good. So it's like a little baby mini masher, but the pellets are very, very close together in proximity. Uh, mm -hmm. which brings us to our next good thing. Drew, what else is there in this one? School masher's back, baby. Woo! Sick. There's a bug and it's really fucking hard to get right now. It's super hard to get. Like you either have to mess with your settings or do a bunch of stupid farming. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that's not, not even like enemy farming. It's like <laughs> chest farming. Yeah. So hopefully Which, by the time this is out, that's this is fixed, you know, but like currently you can only get it from a chest. There's no dedicated drop for it. It's super annoying, it, but it's awesome. Without going too far into this again. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say I do not like the fact that you have to wait for chests to reset like in a real world time now. It kind of bothers me. Anyway. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Moving <laughs> for reasons exactly like this. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, moving along with that. Uh, so, yeah, Skullmasher's back. If you're aware of it at all, we did a we did a going going gun on that one a while back. Uh, it does. It does. It was on the Borderlands things. 2 version. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It does. Orleans, it does. It does skull masher things. It's a skull masher. Mm -hmm. It does skull masher things. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <clears throat> uh, Jeff, tell us about the next one. Uh, you're going to be more well equipped to handle that one. Yeah, not really. Um, so this is uh, the, the last one is the cure. It's a Jacob shotgun and 
I don't really know the details of how it works or anything. I do know that it shoots, like, little needles, like hypodermic needles, which is fun. That's fun, yeah. Um, and I just know that it's powerful, and it's got a really fast reload speed. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a single-shot, you know, quote-unquote single-shot shotgun. Really, it's like, it's, it's a double barrel, and it fires both barrels at once, so it uses two rounds of ammo at a time. But when you're using it uh, with... Um, with Zane or anybody like that, like anybody who can increase the reload time, like it, it can get really, really fast. So, and then, nice. and you can just like, oh, sorry, it doesn't actually shoot both barrels at once because I've been two shotting everything. Right, that's right. <laughs> so, because, because it, like, literally everything, some, like, I'll, someone, something will come up that'll have like a full shield and full health and it's gone in two shots because I'll take out like, two-thirds of the shield in one shot, and then the rest of their health and everything in the other shot, which blows my mind. Yeah. So, and like I said, it's just super fast. It's just ba-bang, 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 ba-bang. I mean, that's how quickly you're reloading it and everything. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's sick. So, a lot of fun. So that's kind of what we have on the loot. The loot is really, really good. I really like the loot in this one. There's lots of, there's, there's kind of something for, any, for everyone in this, is, is what I would say. Um, here's where I think the Moxie DLC is better. Uh-huh. I think the loot's better than the Moxie DLC. Give several reasons why. <laughs> See and Dead. Stackbot. Lucky Seven. I rest my case. Hmm. I could win it on those three alone. Okay, but Skull Masher. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's it. That's that's the whole thing. That's the one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you wrong. Anyways, uh, right. atmosphere. <laughs> so, yeah, next one. Uh so atmosphere. Um that's a big <clears throat> part of I you know atmosphere feeds a lot into it. They've been doing a really good job with it. They've been doing a good job in the games make or in this game, making everything feel, uh, interesting. And like you're in the midst of whatever kind of environment they're trying to put you in. Um, and they've been doing a much better job at this going through, uh, borderlands one. It was just like, Hey, hope y'all like Brown, (laughs) you know, like, and then, Borderlands 2 was like, oh, this is an icy part of Pandora and things like that. This this game, they've been doing a much better job of about making it feel like this is legit a jungle planet or this is a planet where the entire planet is one city or things like that. This is right up there. Um, I really like this kind of feel. And one of the first things I noticed personally was that the town map for the town that you get into, which is Cursehaven, is very, very disorienting. It twists and it turns, and there's small alleyways and narrow stairs. Almost and... as if the town has tentacles. <laughs> sure, absolutely, <laughs> and that could very, and that could, that could very well be. Um, so thematically, that works out really, really well. Um, I, I like it a lot. Um, I think it fits with the narrative that they're trying to go with. So that's, that's one of my big things. Um, one thing that Drew noticed was the town people. 
or the townspeople. You want to get into that a little bit? I just really enjoyed like interact the, the interactions that you have with the townsfolk early on and like how how messed up they are, you know? I really like you don't get to do that often. Like usually your interactions with town with just normal townsfolk who are not quest givers um are subpar at best. Yeah. Unless you know, except for your occasional hey oh Steve or whatnot. <laughs> um, yeah. But like really enjoyed talking to them, you know, the uh the lady talking about the time soup. That was I was like, alright then. And uh and the guy who said that he goes stiff as a board whenever you say a certain word and and I really enjoyed the fact that it was one word with one vault hunter and a different word with another one. I can't I actually can't wait to see what the other two words are when I get to it with um Moe's and Amara. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 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 yeah, the dude that was just floating there. I really just enjoyed interacting with them, and then interacting with them with my vault hunters and seeing how they respond. Uh, when we went through and played it together, Flack was the one that talked to all the townsfolk, and then I really enjoyed coming back later and you know doing my other playthrough with my Zane, and it's totally different. So. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to them. It really kind of helped be like, oh, all these people are messed up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it just really sold it between between that area and everything else. Uh, and it was a good mix of things as well. One of the big things was that you were either in, most of the time you were either in uh, some sort of town area or you were in uh, very much a frigid wasteland kind of idea with a lot of different tribal people who are living off the land. So everything is, is huts and animal skins and things like that. And I think that's a very good way to do it because it's a way to convey uh, both settings very well of these very ancient things, these very ancient eldritch horrors and how they are interacting with people in mm, more or less modern day society, which was the whole point of the original Lovecraft novels in any way. Mm-hmm. So, um, going along with that, uh, drew one to bring up a point about a boss that you fight partway through it. As far as the atmosphere goes, right? How fucking cool is the Wendigo dude? It's so good. <laughs> the, the, the boss, like the, the model designer, the character design on that Wendigo is fantastic for a couple of reasons. First of all, it works so well in the art style of Borderlands and mm-hmm. the nice cell shaded thing. But at the same time, it still held very true to the initial and original ideas of what a Wendigo is supposed to look like. Cause a Wendigo is supposed to have that very pointed kind of a snout. I think the original idea is that it's like an elk head but it's got sharp teeth and so the antlers and everything but it's also got the really long limbs and it's and it walks upright yeah you know it can walk upright and everything like that so the great job when that thing first jumped out it was it was legit kind of terrifying right at first yeah yeah it was pretty awesome i was really excited and jeff jeff and i looked into it later we're like like shit did they just like drop a wendigo in here but like apparently so for those unaware a wendigo is an is a uh <clears throat> is an old myth or cryptid or whatever you want to call it um, that was uh, passed down 
you know, and talked about by the uh, Algonquin tribes of North America, and then it was used in the Cthulhu mythos storylines, um, or, you know, story arc or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, or the the world um, building of that. And they kind of, like, retroactively, you know, been like, and it also, you know, it, it's like this elder god, you know, one of the old, one of the old ones, and mm-hmm. it, like, lives in uh, the Arctic and, like, is traveling south, and as it is headed south, it made its way through the Algonquin lands and everything, and that's how they discovered it. So they kind of, like, retroactively shoehorned it in there. To yeah. you know, make it work, but still, the 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 design on that thing, and and just how freaky it is was awesome. I was super stoked about that. I was really, I was really pretty nervous that it was gonna be shitty looking, but it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's it's a big part of one of the quest lines. Um, in there, it's a longer quest line, and they really built it up just the right way for for a solid reveal, and then. As is per usual with Borderlands, it takes it right back into the over the top and campiness because that's when you learn why you've been hunting this thing and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. so yeah, yeah, so it works exactly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one of the big things. Um, that's kind of where we're at in the atmosphere. Um, the only area I really didn't care for was at one point you go into an old abandoned doll ship which is where eleanor and vincent first touched down onto the planets uh, by the way if, in case we haven't said it it's uh Xylorgos is the name of the planets so that's fun but yeah bless you, you get, thank you <laughs> you get onto a doll <laughs> ship at one point it's i know you're gonna hear me say this a few times it's fine yeah it's it's, it's, it's not- like it's like any other giant ship that we've been in in the borderlands universe ever yeah, yeah, agreed. It it is literally to me no different than um the family jewel on Neen 6. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't it's all the same. The only difference with the family jewel is that it's overrun with ratch and there's a bunch of jungly stuff going on inside, you know. Yeah. Because this, it's on Eden 6. Yeah, this one is overrun with um tentacle horror eldritch monster type things that are about the size of people and some other wolf-type creatures in some of the areas that have been broken down and been kind of reclaimed by the wild, as it were, a little bit more. Yeah, (laughs) the wild. The wild. So, getting into the characters, this is one of the biggest areas where I feel like this set this apart. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're kind of building up to something, but it's, uh, it's important. So, first of all, um, actually let's, let's change this up a little bit. So Eleanor, again, we've talked about Eleanor a lot. Eleanor was not really threatening. Um, the voice actor did a fine job with it. Um, yeah, it, for sure. You know, the voice actor did a, did a good job with it. Uh, there wasn't anything really exciting about, uh, again, about fighting Eleanor and going toe to toe with her. It was, it was all right. There was nothing. Again, that was, that was the attitude, uh, that, they wrote for her, which was that she was just kind of snobby and looked down on everyone else. That was the whole point of the whole thing was that her relationship and her love to Vincent was the most important thing. And that, that was basically it. That was her one sidedness. Yeah. And that no other love compares to theirs. Like nobody else can love as much as her and Vincent loved each other. Right. So, yeah, 
you know, it's it's fine. Um, Drew, how do you feel about the way they represented Gage in here compared to Borderlands? Or not compared to Borderlands 2, but I mean, you know, taking taking that in the next logical step. Yeah, I thought that they did a really nice job with Gage, honestly. She still retains the same um, kind of young, fresh, punk kind of attitude as she did um, in Borderlands 2. It's just the kind of the same thing that happens to all young punks is, uh, well, at some point you got to get older and get a job, <laughs> and you know? So, mm-hmm. but she's, like, still doing her thing, and, and, and I really... Um, the voice actor, um, what is her name? Sherry something, something along those lines. I feel bad because I feel bad because this is not the only thing I've heard her in. Like I said, she's, she was, she's been in a lot of anime I've watched too. So now I just feel bad. Yeah, you should. Anyways, uh, she was phenomenal. Uh, did a really great job. Um, I, I, it just, it like, I could see how some people would be like, oh, she's not. Like, she doesn't have the same edge or attitude. Be like, well, yeah, as happens when you get older. You just have less of a chip on your shoulder and got to do adult stuff at some point, you mm-hmm. know? So, but she still, like, retains that whole, like, you know, make me a margarita, big guy, you know, like that kind of thing. And, <laughs> like, it was, it was, that was fun. And it was like, oh, hell yeah, about everything. So, yeah, it was yeah, just uh, super, yeah. Like, I think that was the one thing they represented is that anytime she was doing anything in Borderlands 2, she was stoked about it, whatever it was, you know, like, it's like, oh, you're dying here. Let me get you up, big guy, you know, or it's like, ah, man, you know, we're, you know, totally just kill the badass. This is sick. Or man, look at that gear or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just all excited about it. And it's the same thing. It's like, all right, let's plan a wedding, bitch. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah just like exactly. That kind of idea. So super cool. So, uh, Jeff, tell me about Mastodon Brownstone. <laughs> uh, so I got to say, I loved this because just before, I mean, literally like the day before, uh, this, uh, this DLC came out and learned about this character, uh, Mancubus Bloodtooth. Who is voiced That's what by? I said. Yeah, I know. Uh, who is voiced by none other than Aaron Hansen? If that name sounds familiar to you, that is AKA Ego Raptor, AKA Aaron from Game Grumps. And first of all, he nailed it with what they were trying to do. <laughs> like, absolutely nailed it. You could tell yes. that they just got him in there and they're like, all right, here's what we want you to do. This guy is creepy, but he's nice creepy. But to the point yeah. to where you, at any point you think he could stop being nice, creepy, and he could just be regular, really creepy. And he's like, ah, got it. I know exactly where to go. With right, this. right. And they're like, they're like, we're going for like a for like a Vincent Price, John Waters sort of vibe. And he's like, I fucking got this on lock. Yeah. And it was so good. Yeah. So the character itself, Mancubus Bloodtooth, is the 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 proprietor of the lodge and capital the The lodge is capitalized every time every time it's mentioned they keep on making this reference and it's never actually clearly fully stated but it seems like the lodge is in and of itself a sentient being which i think is a great way to go about it and that there is either this partnership uh between the lodge and mancubus or even to the point that mancubus could just be a 
a manifestation. A manifestation is the exact word. Yeah, manifestation of the lodge. Because, and at one point, if you're just talking with him when there's no quest to do or anything like that, if you just keep on spamming the talk button to him, at one point he says, as long as there has been, as long as there has been the lodge, there has always been a proprietor. And there has always been the lodge. Yeah. Which is real. So it's got that weird, creepy vibe to it. But that's the thing is that he takes it and he, he does this kind of like almost, yeah, Vincent Price, John Waters, nas- not quite nasally thing. But the idea is that the inflection that he puts on everything makes it sound like everything has weight and importance to it through the use of stoic pauses and things like that. Like there are several times throughout it where he asks you, to see him at the counter, you know, behind the counter uh, where he serves everyone. And every time he does it, it's amazing. He's like, I require your services or I need something from you. Would you please meet me at the counter? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's, so, it's oh, so good. It is. And the thing that makes it great is he enunciates every single syllable perfectly and i'm sure that i'm not sure whether that was him or whether that was the direction he was given but between that and he hangs on those words just long enough to make them feel uncomfortable it's not long enough to make it be like oh just get through it already but it is long enough to make it that uncomfortable silence in between there and it's flawless it's flawless it works really well yeah uh one last thing i want to touch on about the lodge uh and mancubus is like Maybe there's something that we're missing, like maybe there's some kind of Easter egg or something, or quest, or, you know, a side thing that we're missing that kind of explains that more, but at this point we haven't come across anything like that, so. Okay, I, I, I did, and I apologize because I should have told you about this beforehand. I know that the DLC is still <gasps> new, very new to us, but um, the statues that you go and shoot, um, that you do that for Mancubus? Yeah. Okay. So if you kill all of them, and then if you go into the basement, uh, there's a statue there, and that's where all the crystals are for. You're getting those crystals for that statue. There is a specific named creature, and I forget what it is because I didn't, I wasn't on it quick enough. That tells you it's like, hey, just so you're aware, you need to be really nice to Mancubus because he is very, very forgiving, and he is very, very um, giving as well. He is, has a lot of hospitality, but that should never be taken lightly to the point to where he says, like at the end of that thing, it says, um, God, what is it? Beware the fury of a patient man, I think is how the saying goes. And I think that's what it says Mm, in there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, It's really interesting. So Um, it does, it that's, I can see that because it does make me think of the, um, I don't know if you did this quest, but there's one that Mancubus has you do where this guy um, took a bunch of vintage wine from the from the lodge and like drank it all and never paid for it. Yeah, yep. And you got to go and hunt the dude down, and so like because you know it's like it's like he's like doing his thing, like the lodge provides, but you must always pay. Yeah. Yeah. Debts, you know, and it's like <laughs> such a like, oh fuck, all right, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and and he goes he goes in there, and when you do that quest, it's really good. Um, 
first of all, the side quests in this one are really, really good. Definitely do the yeah. side quests. If you're if you're not usually a side quest person, please do them. They're so good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so and and in this one, he's set up the bottles in such a way around his house that it essentially makes uh, it, a protective essentially, spiritual yeah, barrier. Yeah, protective spiritual barrier or ward. And as you're shooting them, he's seeing these shapes that he claims has have too many points on them and he's trying to make them more round and it's just this we- it's like Ugh, that's it's weird you know cuz cuz so here's the unsettling. thing it is it's cuz when you think about it, i want you i want everyone to take 3 seconds right now and i want you to think about the most amount of points that you can think on a shape yeah and not like not like a round shape with spikes all over it, but just like imagine like a triangle and then another triangle and then another triangle and then another triangle. Yeah, you know? like, it's like, all right, it's like you can probably think of a lot of points in that regard. This guy thought of so many that it drove him mad. Like, how does <laughs> yeah. that happen? You know, it's just awesome. Yeah. So anyways, so. make you miss blood tooth. Um, maybe my favorite character in the DLC. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Definitely definitely he's, favorite new definitely favorite new character the DLC. He's he's in my top 2. <laughs> so, who would the other one be? So, the other one is Burton. Burton Briggs. Mhm. Are we going to are we not going to talk about the other one real quick? We'll talk about him. All right. But you so, asked me which one. So, all right, so we'll do Burton last cuz yeah, he's cause, he's also he's one of my other favorites. Yeah, cuz that's right. important. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll still no, let you, you talk don't. about. I'll still let you talk about Burton, but you got to talk about this because I, I went off on a tangent about Mancubus. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine because you you talk about the next guy because I have right. stuff to talk about with Burton. All right. So uh, the next one is Aista, who we don't really meet until about halfway through the DLC. I guess I would say. Yeah, uh, something like that. Aista is a royal hunter. He comes from way off, and he's a hunter and everything like that. Um, similar to very similar to the way that Hammerlock would be. It's just someone that travels around and does lots of different hunting for hunting sake and is really intrigued by animals and how they work and having that kind of sense of fighting or in his own language, slashing S L A S S slash or to fight. Um, Aista uses a lot of words that as far as we could tell, don't actually translate to anything. He continues to refer to you as Gaido, G-A-I uh, dash hyphen. D-O, yeah. hyphen D-O, <laughs> and Slas. Um, it seems like Gaido is probably something akin to friend or brother or guest or something like that. Or comrade. Yeah, comrade. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then Slas is fight. That one we know. They tell us that right away in his splash screen. Um he's very over the top with everything that he does. Like he first time he sees you, he's like, Hey, let's fight. You know, <laughs> like it's this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, I would have liked to have seen more done with his character, but for what it was, it served it well. What he's doing is that he comes from somewhere else, but he's essentially the head of this tribe where they just hunt. And that's basically all they do. That's how they survive. And it works out really well. Um, Interesting fact, while apparently Slash and Gaido didn't translate to anything as far as we could tell, his name, Ista, E-I-S-T-A, 
uh, translates to the possibility of one to two things in Icelandic, which Icelandic would kind of fit the feel of what they're going for. But it is one of two things. It's either testing, as in taking a test, or which is a, Which is appropriate for him because it's all about, like, you know, proving yourself and, and, you know, the fight and the hunt and all that stuff. Yeah. Or testicle. <laughs> so Also appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm not actually going to spoil that one for you. You just got to find out why that one is potentially... <laughs> You know what? Uh, you know what? Ista reminds me of Ista is like if you took like any of the Nord companions from Skyrim and like cranked them up to twenty. Yes, that is totally accurate. I really like that. That's actually a good way of going about it. I really like that a lot. So, um, so yeah, that's Ista. Um, he serves his purpose well. Again, I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more fleshed out. Fun fact: he actually ends up becoming like a fun raid boss. Uh, but you don't, you never actually kill him. He's just continuing to power up because he wants to defeat you. So that's, that's fun. So he keeps reminding you that you're his friend. Yeah. Which is <laughs> kind of hilarious. Cause we are friends. It's like, I, I'm going to heal you. Just chill out. Relax. Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, in the top two, Mancubus Bloodtooth and possibly Burton Briggs. Burton Briggs. So good. So good. I don't mm-hmm. know who did his voice acting either, but also awesome job. Um, did a really phenomenal job of portraying this dark and mysterious uh, private investigator, like film noir kind of guy. Um, you know, think, um, oh, think, um, oh, what is his name from? Uh, a Wolf Among Us. Oh, uh, yeah, Bigby. 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 I was going to say Digby, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not it. It's not Digby. It's <laughs> do it for Digby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it's like Bigby in, uh, in A Wolf Among Us. Just like, you know, dark, you know, stoic, really cool. But he's got memory issues, which is really great. Um, I just love the fact that when he, at one point he's like, He's telling you something about how there's a, you know, there's a dark fog, you know, it's like a dark fog in my head. And, and, you know, the player character points it out. It's like, yeah, you already told us about this. He's like, oh, I did. I'm sorry. You see, my memory is not so good. It's like a, like a dark fog. <laughs> like a dark fog. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I really enjoyed that. Um, one of the more. One of the probably the saddest uh, side quest of of the game, like, but also but also definitely one of the best. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Really, really good. But just so effing sad. Like there were there were some feels in this DLC, and it was when, um, it was when uh, you thought Death Trap was dead, and then during this DLC. When, again, this is blanket spoilers, so if you don't want to know, you know, we told you. Uh, when you, he finds out that he killed his own daughter because his daughter was possessed by um, Vincent's spirit at one point. So, um, just tragic. Like, brutal. Um, all the feels there. So, yeah. um, 
really great really great side quest really interesting mechanics and stuff during that um i really enjoyed like the actual gameplay and how how the game worked there um but just super tragic really sad made me give me uh reminded me a lot of the uh robo picnic side quest in the handsome jackpot one where it's just like when it's over you're like oh man that was it was really heavy for a Borderlands game. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's really good. And honestly, these are the kind of things that Drew and I were talking about that I said that we'd get. Remember when I said we'd get back to it? This is us getting back to it. I would have much preferred if these, if, if Claptrap's story and if Burton Briggs' story had been intertwined into the main story instead of being its own side thing. I also respect the fact that it may have been a situation where they decided to where they decided to make Burton's quest line its own separate thing to really serve it well. But I would have been so much more interested in the main story if it had been uh intertwined with us doing things not only for Hammerlock and Wainwright Obviously, that would still be the main goal, but then also doing things uh, for Burton and for Claptrap at the same time to use those three stories to really fully push it forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. It's like it would have been if unless you do. Excuse me, unless you do the Burton Briggs quest line before you finish the DLC. Like. You have no idea that he killed his own daughter because he thought it was Vincent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and like that would have given you so much more motivation to go after Eleanor and the, and to destroy the heart. So this could never happen again. Or, you know, it's like, you know, a revenge thing for Burton or anything like that. You know, it would have been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so. and he could have, it could have been the same kind of thing where, like, he goes along with you the whole way, you know, and then, like, he realizes, and then, like, he can't join you in the fight because he's like, look, he's like, I just, I can't do it. I made that mistake before. What if I do the same thing again and it's somebody else, you know? What if I kill your friend thinking that it's Vincent or whatever? I don't want to go through it. You're on your own, you know? Could have totally copped out with that kind of thing again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So yeah, please, if you don't, if, if you don't usually do side quests, once again, please go play that one and really realize that the talent for writing truly does still is, it is there with Gearbox. They just need to apply it continuously a little bit more on the regular. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Anyways, uh, we're getting, uh, pretty close to an hour here, so we need to kind of wrap this up quick. So, oh, we're over an hour. Damn. Are we? I haven't even yeah, just a it. hair. All right. That's okay, because we have some fun little extras. Um, we played through the DLC, and then we've been playing through it again and just been making notes about some fun little things. Um, so there's some really fun stuff in there. One thing that I liked is I think they took a lot of cues from, or a fair amount of cues from Bloodborne and um, applied them here. Um, and that's not a bad thing at all. In fact, for me, it's a really good thing because I really like it. And I understand that Bloodborne is also borrows heavily from the HP Lovecraft mythos. Um, that being said, there's a lot of fun things in there. Like you can go around and knock on people's doors. And uh, that's something that is very 
prevalent in Bloodborne because it's the night of the hunt in Bloodborne and you don't you don't go out during the night of the hunt, but you can still knock on people's doors and talk to them and sometimes they'll give you advice or information or whatever, stuff like that. It's fun stuff. I like that. There's an achievement for doing it. Everyone says some fun, unique things. Some of them are funny and silly. Some of them are legitimately kind of disturbing. So mm. that's one fun thing. Claptrap has a ramp in the lodge. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, it's not stairs. Why would he need a ramp in the lodge? Because then no stairs. <laughs> so you step into the lodge. There's a section that goes <laughs> down and it's down like some stairs in like a small little square area, almost like a dance floor type setup. And uh, it's where Claptrap is initially in there. There's a ramp just before it showing that he had to have a small little, you know, crappy made ramp to be able to get up even that little small thing. So yeah. that's fun. Good stuff. Uh, also <laughs> in the, also in there, you can find a list of different drinks, uh, different wines and different shots and everything. Uh, one of them is, uh, one of the shots is named the troll toll, which, uh, reference to always sin in Philadelphia. Cause you got to pay the troll toll. So <laughs> anyway, which is also a reference to Grimm's fairy tales. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just thought the Billy goats gruff. Crossing the bridge, they got to pay the troll toll. I don't think that's part of it. Didn't didn't the troll just want to like eat him? Uh. Are you sure you've got your Grimm's fairy tales right? So there's a face in a mirror. So that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Where did we see that? It was in. Uh... I think the first time we saw it was in the lodge. The lodge. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Anyways, if you, like, the mirror, if you're far enough away, uh, looks like a normal mirror. The closer you get, you see a face in it, so that's fun. That, that is not your face, keeping in mind. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Should have specified that. You're like, uh-huh, that's how mirrors work. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, these guys are idiots. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, it's kind of got, like, some 3D texture stuff going on and everything, so that's fun. Um. There's also in the town, there is a sign for Swoony Rod's Barbershop. Uh, obviously a reference to Sweeney Todd's, uh, the demon barber of Fleet Street, I think is how that mm-hmm. goes. Yep, true story. The demon, the demon fleet of Barber Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next, uh, we were talking earlier about the characters that you speak to in the town, and one of them says that he goes stiff as a board whenever... Uh, a specific word is said, so you kind of go through the short dialogue, and then, uh, let's see, Zane, I don't remember which one, which one's which, but one of them, uh, Flack, Flack, Flack is geography. Okay, so Flack says geography, and the dude goes stiff. Uh, Zane says, antiquing, and the guy goes stiff as a board and falls down, which, uh, Jeff and I are huge, huge fans of, uh, Futurama, and, uh, there's a, uh, an episode, um, war is the H word. And at the end of it, uh, Bender, the robot, it has a bomb in him and it's, it's set to detonate when a specific word is said. It's one, one of the words that Bender says almost never. And he's trying to guess what it is. Cause he's a pain in the ass. And then he goes antiquing and then he explodes. So we're thinking it may have been a borderland area Futurama reference. So that's good. Possibly. Times. 
We're not sure about that. So um, that could be a stretch. That could be. Uh, so last two things here. Um, so first of all, there's a enemy type called wolvens, which are basically Borderlands takes Borderlands take on wolves, uh, which are pretty fun. I didn't notice this until today, and I was messing around with the anarchy. If you throw one at the right angle and everything, if you throw a TD or gun, a wolven can actually catch it and be a heckin' good boy when they're doing that. <laughs> so that's fun. And then you murder them mercilessly. Uh, murderously. Murderously. Uh, and then last fun fact that we have, which is actually thanks to my wife. She noticed this when she was going through this DLC on her solo playthrough of it. Uh, so there's the floating guy who's trying to get back. He's just like, yeah, I just started. Well, he he says he's falling. It's really floating. He says that he's he's like, yeah, I just started falling one day and I couldn't stop. And he's like, you know, saying stuff. He's like, can you push me back over to my house and stuff like that? Or <laughs> if you meet any wizards, can you help them? You know, can you tell them to help me out or whatever? Uh, she noticed that at one point he's trying to get himself back. He, he's doing like swimming animations and stuff like that. The best part about this, though is that at one point he tries to do like the Spider-Man web sling to try and get like at like a ledge to get himself back. Like the, you know, like the flip, like that yeah, thing like, he tries to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go web, go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rock on anyway. So, so, but yeah, he tries to do that to get himself back at one point and it's just, it's just funny. So, so there yeah. you go. Uh, Solid DLC. I feel like it's, like I said, I mean, for atmosphere, I think that it's the atmosphere alone to me is more interesting than the handsome jackpot. Um, mm-hmm. The storyline is similar to that one because, like, I really could give two shits if Mo- if Moxie gets this whole casino, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, so I think the the loot is possibly better in the handsome jackpot. But the atmosphere and uh, and and the characters and stuff to me are more interesting in uh, Guns Love and Tentacles. I I would agree with that. I think the loot is pretty on par either way. I'm just a sucker for this kind of you know the Lovecraft mythos and everything like that. So I. I like that kind of stuff. And so this was really up my alley. I haven't been able to stop playing myself or <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Congratulations. I haven't been able <laughs> to stop myself from play. <laughs> I haven't been able to stop myself from playing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's, yeah, it's really good. I like it. Um, as, as per usual, our usual, scale of seven i give this a solid six out of seven. Ooh, dang yeah so um keeping in mind that to me personally there has not been a seven out of seven dlc in the borderlands franchise yet what lies i mean f- f- fine then there has not been a seven out of seven but there has been a 6.75 out of seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so drew, what do you think? Out of seven, I give it a, I'll give it a five. All right. I give it a five out of seven. 
And I also give uh, the Moxie DLC a 5 out of 7, I think, but for different reasons. Fair enough. Understandable. So with that, we're wrapping up, which can only mean one thing. Going, going, gone. (laughs) Nice. So today uh, we are going to be talking about a legendary weapon that is uh, making its first appearance in this DLC. It and is in the franchise. In the, right, in the franchise. It's almost weird saying that, though, because it is basically like a thing yeah. that we've had before. Yeah, you just don't have it in gun form. Right. Anyway, so this is Theanarchy. Uh, it is... <laughs> <laughs> That's the Anarchy. Uh, the Anarchy is a legendary shotgun manufactured by TDR and is obtainable from the Guns, Love, and Tentacles DLC. Mm-hmm. Jeff, read them yep. red texts. So the red text is the stacks, the stacks. Uh, every automatic reload or kill grants a 30% damage bonus and reduces accuracy. Uh, damage bonus is reset if reloaded manually. The weapon is put away or the user is downed. There is a small chance for shots to ricochet off the environment towards the nearest enemy. So, again, I like this thing. I know that you have issues, you know, reloading it and downing yourself and whatever. That's fine. Um, I feel I, so stupid every time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like you're sitting there playing this and like your wife is in another room somewhere and she just hears you. You're just like, fuck, not again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know what's going on. So I'm just like this boss. Man, pain in the ass. This guy yeah. keeps killing me. <laughs> Be like, aren't you sure that you... But in, in reality, she doesn't have to know that it's you that's killing you. <laughs> yeah, it's killing them. Uh, anyways, uh, so um, yeah, this thing I personally think is really fun. I like to use it on a critical hit flak, which is what I'm going through right now. Um, just because you can really ramp up the accuracy that flak has, and if you're getting this thing right in something, right in, it, in an enemy's face anyway, it works really well. Um, it's also fun to just watch it. Um, it's also fun to watch it, uh, ricochet when you shoot the ground and everything like that. Um, yeah, like I said, because of leave no trace, you have a chance to regen around in the magazine upon getting a crit. So, um, it just works well for keeping that high, that high damage going by killing mobs really, really quickly. This thing is not super great for bosses, but awesome for smaller mobs and things like that. Um, because of that, it still also works really, really well with Moses' general ability to regen ammo. So, again, uh, if you're playing either one of those two characters, get the smallest magazine possible on it, so that way you can really ramp up um, those damage stacks and uh, go from there. It works out pretty well. Yeah, I will admit it is it it can do a whole lot of damage, which is a lot of fun. Um, you just just watch it reload because it. Sometimes it will explode right in front of your damn face, and then you're yeah. hosed. Yeah, absolutely. If you have to, you know, just to make sure that you don't, uh, just go ahead and shoot it from somewhere else, and then make it reload itself, and then go from there. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's good about times. It. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for being patient with us. Sorry about the no show last week. Um, yeah. I don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but I'm excited for when we do. Absolutely. We'll figure it out. Join us next time, friends, on A Vault Hunter's Guide to the Borderlands. 
Good luck and good drops. Bye.